Welcome one and welcome all. I'm Coach Molly from Three Pines Leadership and this is the Lifelong Podcast and welcome, welcome, welcome. All right, so if, you, if you're new here, hi, I'm Molly. I'm a success coach. I'm a conflict coach and I help people change the world by understanding that collaboration is the key to our success amongst a bunch of other things as well. And one of the things that I am so excited to share with you guys is an interview I had recently with Dr. Kathy Groover. This woman is amazing. She is so full of energy and she sees the world in a way that I really hope that all of you will one day be able to see the world like she does. She has such such an inspirational perspective. And she came to the Mindset and Impact Virtual Summit And she shared with us an incredible talk about resiliency and mindset and her experiences of of her aha moment of when she realized, unfortunately, she had to, she was forced to realize this perspective shift is so important, um, that shifting your mindset is so important and it's so simple and it's so easy, but it has so much power behind it. So I, I'm so honored that I got to sit down and talk with her. Even though we were sitting virtually, it was, it was such an incredible experience. And I get to share this interview I, ha- I, I had with her, with you guys. So she shared that, that stuff in her, um, in her talk at the Mindset and Impact Virtual Summit. And then we sat down and had a conversation afterwards. And that's what I'm about to share with you guys now. So before, before I jump into that, I want to remind you guys to connect with me on Instagram at Three Pines Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Molly, on Twitch at Three Pines, because I want to know what you get out of these interviews. I want to know what ahas happen in your heads when you hear these conversations. Were there funny parts? Were there not so funny parts? Are there things that make you think? I want to know. So connect with me and let me know these things. So enough jibber-jabber from me. I'm going to throw it off to me and Dr. Kathy Groover. That's fantastic. (laughs) Good. It's one of my most favorite things ever. Oh, I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. You are so welcome. So I have to ask, you are a doctor, like a PhD kind of doctor. How does one become a doctor in this type of work? Uh, That's a really good question. Um, Unfortunately, the school I went to is no longer in existence. It was such a special place. It was called Clayton. It was out of Alabama. So I got a PhD in natural health with an emphasis in mind-body medicine. And I started out just going, I got my, my doctorate as a traditional naturopath. Because when I heard the word naturopath, I'm like, oh my God, that totally fits what I'm already doing. I was already doing massage and herbs and homeopathics and Reiki and helping birth babies, which who knew I could do that. Um, And so I found this program, this ND program, and the laws about ND and naturopath doctor are weird. Like there's schools like um, Bastyr where it's like a four-year brick and mortar, you're not messing around kind of school. And there's things like Clayton that were more home study, more web-based. Um, for a traditional naturopath. And I realized that was just all too confusing. So I kept, st- I kept going back to school because that's what I do um, and ended up getting my master's and PhD because I, f- I was going to be reading the books anyway. Like why not have the piece of paper? So that's, that's me. So yeah, I don't know if there's any schools left that do what I do. It's really sad. Oh. I know. 
That's a change that we can make though. We can, we can, we have this power. Yes, we do. Well, now we have all the space. We got rid of all the gunk. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness seems to be such a simple concept when you really break it down. So when in the timeline of our lives should we start practicing it? Yes. <laughs> Today, yesterday, <laughs> when you're two. Um, I, I really wish I would have started earlier. I mean, like, seriously, I, I now know how to meditate. I never could before. I know what mindfulness is. And I used to hear, you know, you hear all these words and you're like, what the heck is that? And half the people are like, it's stupid. And so you're like, oh, I must be stupid. And then the other half are like, you should do this because I read about it in Reader's Digest. And you're like, I don't know what to believe. Um, we're starting to see it become more and more important. And the year, I think it was 2018 was deemed the year of mindfulness. Um, I don't know what 19 and 20 has been. I know what 20's been, but that's a whole other thing. Um, so people are starting, it's becoming more mainstream. Uh, doctors are starting to recommend it now. They're starting to recommend meditation over medication, which thrills me to death. So it's just about being present and, and just recognizing that in this moment, nothing's wrong. And that's such a true statement. I mean, if we think about any problems that we have, they're not here, they're someplace else. What if he dies? Well, right now he's alive. So like, why are you doing that to yourself? So it's just, and not dredging up the past. So in this present state, you know, what's wrong? Is it something we can teach our kids? Yes. Kids <laughs> suck this stuff up because they're so present anyway. You give a kid a stick and you could be standing right over them going, John, John, John. And he's right. He just doesn't hear you. He's so immersed in that presence of that experience that he's having. And then we get to a certain age where we're all over the place. Um, and as much as I'm, I mean, I like video games. I think they're sort of fun, but video games kind of bring you into that. You're only focused on that thing and nothing else around you exists. I don't know if it's the healthiest mindfulness practice, um, but you know, we can get immersed in that activity, whether it's doing the dishes or whether it's making love with your partner or whether it's gazing, which is something my boyfriend and I do frequently. Um, it's just about being present with that thing and not letting your mind water, wander. And I remember studying with, uh, I've been to Harvard like five or six times studying with the people there who are just amazing. And it was a gentleman named Dan Brown, the professor, not the author. And he was talking about daydreaming and letting your mind wander. He goes, you can't do that. And my hand shot up. And I don't think he was taking questions. And so I'm sitting in like the second row because that's what I do. And he kind of looks at me and he goes, yes. And I said, but no, 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 you can't not daydream. Like, what am I going to do in the shower if I'm not daydreaming? How am I going to come up with all my creative things if I'm not daydreaming? What am I going to do when I'm driving if I'm not daydreaming? And he said, no, I'm not saying you shouldn't plan your future. And I'm not saying you shouldn't fantasize about amazing things. He said, what I'm saying is, when are you doing that? And I went, what do you mean? He goes, are you daydreaming while you're in class with me? Are you daydreaming while you're making love with your spouse? Are you daydreaming when you're supposed to be spending time with your kids? set time aside and daydream take say today my shower is about fantasizing and let it go but i see so many people and i teach communication skills as well i see so many people who they're finishing other sentences they think they know what they're going to say they're doing that but they're not really listening they're thinking about the next thing or oh i have this great joke if they'd stop talking because it has to do with that thing they said three sentences ago it's about dancing in that moment and being present with that. And how many times are we finishing our spouse's sentence or you know, daydreaming about something? What is the joke? What do wives think about during sex? White, I think we'll paint the ceiling white this year. You know, I mean, it's like, <laughs> be present with that thing that you're doing right now. You know, find the being in the doing, which is an Eckhart Tolle thing. So 
And there's really no point in doing anything if you're not going to be presently involved in it. Like, why bother wasting your time in the first place? Right. Yeah. And it's, but it's what we do. It's, we're humans. I don't know what, I don't know. I think I still, maybe I still it goes, understand us. I think maybe it goes back to the, what you were saying about our brains wanting to come back to the familiar. So yeah. maybe we get into those those cycles and we get into those habits and if we haven't been taught or shown a way out of those habits, maybe we don't have the ability to to get over them without a little bit of assistance. Well, and also, and that's a great point, our brain, it's fabulous. It's the most amazing thing. It's also, we're the only creature that can fantasize about negative things and ruminate about the past. No other animal is doing that. You know, the cheetah's not sitting there going, oh, I didn't get the gazelle yesterday, so I'm just going to sit here, and my tail's feeling fluffy, and I asked the girl cheetah, and she said no. And I mean, like, no other animal does that except us. Now, we've created this amazing environment. We have computer, I'm talking to you from around the world. Um, you know, I'm looking around my office and it's like, holy crap, the things that we've created and movies and creativity. And it is our ultimate downfall because every three to five seconds, our brain has something so important to tell us. And if it doesn't have something important to tell us, it'll make shit up. That's just what it does. So this is why meditation is so hard. Um, because our brain's like, no, 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 no. If you stop thinking, we don't have an identity. And that's the big thing is that thinking gives us this ego identity. If we stop thinking, well, who are we? So Eckhart Tolle, who I've done tons of studying with, I did a six-month program with him last, uh, I don't know, I don't understand linear time, um, where I actually got to study twice with him in person, and then we had all this web stuff in between. It was amazing. But he's talking about that, trying to stop thinking. And even if you can stop for five seconds, and then you build it to 10 seconds, and one of his tricks was sit in silence for just a moment and say, I wonder what my next thought's going to be. And then wait. It takes a long time for that next thought to come. So it's sort of the backdoor trick to telling your brain to shut up. I practice meditation on a regular basis and I've gone through this interesting journey. I, I do a lot of Buddhist meditation. Mm -hmm. So on some, on one extreme of the spectrum, we have Zen meditation where it's all about emptying your mind yep. and allowing the thoughts to come off, but pushing them aside as if they're a bubble being blown in the wind. And then on the other side of the spectrum, you have like Tibetan um, Buddhism kind of meditation where they give you, they fill your mind with as much as possible and yep. they pack it full of rituals and chants and songs and walking paths you have to do and mm -hmm. things like that. Do you find that there's one type of meditation that may work better or should we have a variety in our lives? I think you should do whatever works for you. Um, I have done formal seated meditation. I've gone to the self-realization fellowship, Paramahansa Yogananda's place in Malibu, where I've done like three day silent retreats. Yes, I can be quiet for three days for people who are surprised by that. Um, it's fine when no one else is talking too. It's not like you're being silent during your day with everybody else. I think people miss, you know, they're like, that would be so hard. Well, no one's talking. It's not like everyone else is talking and you're at CVS going, um, so I think it's whatever works for you. I do a mini meditation, which I learned at Harvard, which is inhale, I am, exhale at peace, and just keep repeating that. And it's a great, <laughs> I call it the gateway drug to meditation because it's so easy to do. And I teach that in groups. I've probably taught that to a million people. Um, because if your thoughts are intruding, you can't think two things at once. This is where the ritual and the, the, the chanting and the you know, walking and stuff is so good because you really can only focus on one thing at a time. Um, so if you're thinking I am at peace, it's harder for those thoughts to get in. 
Uh, whereas if you're just trying to blank it out, next thing you know, you've got a whole 20 minute fantasy going and then you're like, and then I drive away in the car. Oh crap, did I meditate or where have I been? You know, um, the brain is, it's sneaky. It's really sneaky. Yeah. I love that you mentioned uh, like our animal brain versus our evolved brain. So like we are the only animals that can think mm -hmm. negative thoughts. And I never thought of it that way. I've always thought of it as like our neocortex is so evolved that we are the only animal that can future think. Mm -hmm. uh, but I never thought of it as past thinking as well. That's a horrible habit that we get into. It's like the slippery slope where you start thinking negatively and it just oh. keeps getting worse. Yep. Can we harness that in the opposite direction? Can we start thinking, like, start with a few positive thoughts? Does that slippery slope into positive yep. thinking forever? Absolutely. And it's just like I said, well, it's about the red and the blue thing. It's like the more you focus on the blue, the more you're going to see. Um, and if that's the positive stuff, I mean, I literally did this with a, with a girl in my office yesterday. And I have so much blue stuff in my office. All my chairs are blue. The carpet is kind of blue. I was wearing blue. My chair is blue. Everything on the wall is blue. She was so focused on the red, she couldn't name one blue thing. As I was sitting in front of her in a blue shirt. Uh, it, was, it was just fascinating. And she was like, she was, she's like tw she was 20. And she was just like, I, 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 I don't understand. And I'm like, I know. So yes, the more we focus on those positive things, and it's again, those synapses in the brain, the more we focus on something, the more that connection grows. It's like snowshoeing. If you're walking on the snowshoes, the first person is like trudging through. And by the time you're the last person, you're like, la, 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 because the pathway's worn. Try to get off that path. That's really hard. It takes practice. It takes effort. It takes a lot of really wanting to go off that path. That's trying to get off the path of that negativity. Once you start carving that out, it's going to be easier and easier for you to do. And not to say that I don't still think negative stuff, but man, has it stopped uh, to the, I mean, it's really shifted. And again, I grew up in a house with a very negative fear-based mom who was constantly telling me how dangerous the world was, or God's punishing you, or see, look at that. I knew that was going to happen. You know, that kind of stuff. And I was able to dig my way out of it. So if I can do it, you guys can. <laughs> Absolutely. And that ties back as well to the idea of um, having to step back out of your, out of the current moment, the, that fear that we always have, and to mm -hmm. step back and go, why are the reasons out there that maybe my kids are late for dinner? Like, let's breathe, let's relax, and let's look at those possibilities. What kinds of exercises can we do to help us take that step back and, and look at those other possibilities. Yeah. You know, I love the affirmations. Um, the other thing that I like to ask people is what do I know to be true? Mm. What I know to be true is my kids are late. That's all I know to be true. Um, playing the what if game, but the what if opposite game. So my boyfriend and I were talking about the whole COVID thing and he's, he's a little more panicked about it than me, which I actually appreciate. Um, and he said, you know, what if I get it? And, and what if I get sick? Or what if I get you sick? And what if we get really sick? And what if we die? And, and I said, okay, great. Yeah, we could totally go that way. I said, what if we don't get it? What if we do get it? And we're fine. What if we do get it? And we're a little sick and we take care of each other. What, you know, it's like, you could play the what if game with anything. What if I get the job? What if I fall in love with the guy? What if the date is fabulous? And the more you start to think about that and get everything in it and get more excited about it, uh, it's just everything. Um, I used to have to go to my in-law's house for, for, this is when I was still married, in-law's house for things and wasn't always my top of the list of things to do. 
But I realized if it was like, oh, I got to do this long drive and I got to, and I would get so into the state that by the time I arrived, it was like, blah. But why not be like, oh my God, we get to be in the car. We can listen to music. We get to see this beautiful scenery. We get to spend more time together. And then I get to go see your family and we're going to have great conversation because they have totally different ideas about everything that I do, which can be irritating. But it's going to be so much fun to hear their opinion. You know, the more excited you get about it, the better the event is going to be. Just like you mark off those days to go to Disneyland when you were a little kid. Why not do that with everything? Because if you shift your perspective, then the whole experience is going to be different. It works every time. And I love that you bring up perspective too. I, I work with a lot of people who deal with conflict or deal with challenges or deal with complex puzzles and wicked problems. And I always encourage them to incorporate as many members of their team as possible because we're each coming at things with a different perspective. Yep. Even if it's like a negative versus a positive perspective, we're all yep. bringing all of our learned realities, our our knowledges, all of that to the, to the problem. So yep. tapping into that perspective is so powerful. Yes. And other people can see things we can't. Yeah. It's like the whole, the five blind men and the elephant. Everybody is feeling some different piece of that. Um, I'm a very impatient driver. I'm from the East coast. <laughs> California drivers drive me crazy. So I pull up, there's this big SUV with a teeny woman, big SUV, it happens in California. She's sitting at a stop sign, about to turn right. Nobody at the intersection. And I'm like, today, which she can't hear, but it makes me feel better. And she's still sitting there. And I'm like, oh my God, she's probably on the phone. She's driving me crazy. So beep, make a decision, even if it's wrong, which my dad used to say. And she can't hear it, but it makes me feel better. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting and she's still not going. And I finally beep, Jade, and the profanity begins. And I well work myself up into this complete frenzy of why is this woman not just freaking turning right? And she finally turns right and clears my view. And I can see that a wheelchair was crossing the street in front of her. Who's the asshole now? Um, but it was just this perfect illustration of I couldn't see what she saw. Now, could she have been distracted and on the phone? Absolutely could have been. That is not what happened. She was being, and then I was, you know, you can't be like, I'm sorry, I'm so sorry. You know, the, I, I want a horn that goes, oops, sorry. You know, because there's so many times where we're like, oh, I didn't, I, I, you know, and you can only do that in the car so much before the person just doesn't get what you're saying. They think she's spazzing out in some way. Um, but I just, I remember that every time of, I had a different perception of what was going on. And so if you bring different team members in, if you bring different departments in, if you bring different family members in and say, what do you think about this thing? And again, it goes back again to what do you want? And asking people what they want and then why? Why do you want that thing? Because sometimes when you distill it down to why, you don't want that thing, it's a whole different thing that you actually want. And it's about clarifying that because you're not gonna get what you want if you don't know what you want. And like I said, you can talk all day about what we don't want. When I do my coaching and my hypnosis, trying to get people to tell me what they actually want is like pulling teeth. It is so hard to get people to, to express what they want. So yeah, we've, it's about that perspective shift. Do you think people have trouble telling you what they want because they don't know or there's like something holding them back? I think it's a couple of things. That's a great question. I think part of it is they don't know. They just, they're, they're so focused on what they don't want that they don't actually know what they do want. That's sort of how our society works. Um, and I also think people think they don't deserve what they want. Mm. 
oh, I don't deserve happiness. I don't deserve a good partner. I don't deserve to be loved. I don't deserve, and that's not necessarily even a conscious thing. I think that comes from deep childhood stuff that we're still bringing forward. You know, um, my mom died when I was 18. She got sick when I was 13. I'm an only child. So I have slight abandonment issues. To me, everybody dies. Um, I started losing people when I was eight. I've lost tons of people in the last, how old am I? I don't know. Since I was eight, people have just died. So my reality is, eh, why get attached to something that's going to go away? Now, I've worked through that. Um, but yeah, that was a big reality for me, is why bother getting connected? It's going to just go away. And so it took you know, many years of therapy and self-reflection and, and self-work, a lot of writing activities to figure that out and say, I do want intimate connections with people because that's what I want in this moment. Is someday everything going to go away? Yeah, but that's not here yet. It's right now. What does it mean to be empowered? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, it's funny that you asked that because I run a group on Facebook called The Empowerment Project. And after about the second week, I thought, I should ask them what they think empowerment means. Um, to me, empowerment means taking charge of your life. It means empowering. It, it means giving others the ability to do that too. It's empowering others. It's not just about self. It's about bringing in every resource you have to achieve those things that you want to get those things that you need in your life. It's, um, it's about standing strong in that present moment and just being confident that you know what you want. Mm, I love it. I love it. How, in your opinion, would the world change if everyone took what you have just taught us to heart and actually put it into their lives? How would the world change? Oh, boy, it would, be a, it would be a 180. There would be no more racism. There would be no more us versus them. There would be no more um, suffering. Because to quote the Dalai Lama, pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. Shit is going to happen. It just is. People are going to die. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to get fired. But it's how you handle that. It's, it's your perception of it. It's your, it's your decision whether you suffer through that or not. Um, yeah, I think there would just be, would be all so much kinder because could you imagine if everybody was present and there wasn't this constant distraction of these thoughts? And I'm not just talking about the phone dinging. I'm talking about what's going on in our own head uh, of not being present with another person because when you're truly present with another person, they can't help but be present with you. So if we could roll that out so that we are just all present with each other as beings and taking off the labels and taking off the color and taking off the sexual orientation and taking off the, if we're just present with another being, then so much crap falls away. It would be such a beautiful place. Oh, what's your hope for the future? Hope we get our shit together. It's <laughs> a very Capricorn statement, but it's like, I mean, we are, everything's a mess right now in this moment, which is so beautifully fascinating to me. And I know that everything happens for a reason. I fully believe that. Um, and we're in that, um, we haven't quite hit the eye of the storm. We're in the, Wah! and we're going to sit for a second in this peaceful moment. It's going to all be quiet for a second. And we're going to realize all of the shifts that have happened. And I like to use the, the analogy of working out. If you always work out with the two pound weights, you're never going to get anywhere. You have to build up in weight and it sucks and you hate it. And you're mad at your trainer and you're swearing under your breath and you stink and you're sweaty, but you get stronger from that. And that's what we're doing right now. We're lifting a heck of a lot of weight right now, 
between what's happening globally, politically, health-wise, everything's being thrown at us at once and we're gonna come out of this stronger. Um, and we're gonna come out of this happier and healthier and more resilient and more mindful and more present. I love the image of us lifting all of this extra weight because the idea that we can do this together means mm -hmm. that we're lifting less weight individually and together we can then throw that weight right away like those bags of grief that we worked on mm -hmm. earlier and we can move on and we can float to a better future together. Yep. It's my oh, wish. I love it. <laughs> do you have any last words before we close off this interview? Uh, no, this is, I, I hope you guys all got something from this. I just kind of launch and go. So um, yeah, just, just go for it. Just figure out what you want and know that you deserve that thing and shift your mindset to get it. Um, and just love yourself, love yourself, love others. Don't be an asshole. That's sort of the three, the three rules. I mean, we don't need, it's just, that's it. Love yourself, love others and don't be a jerk. I mean, it's just kind of the, that's all we got. Does that come in a t-shirt? I should make that one. Love yourself, love others, don't be an asshole. That's going to be my project next week. Thank you. Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us at the Mindset and Impact Virtual Summit. It's been fantastic having you here and learning from you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If I can help in any way, let me know.